This is Pastor Devin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us, and I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. Uh, we're in our second installment of our series, Love One Another. Uh, last week, we looked at this principle of forgiveness, bearing with one another, and uh, I think several of us were challenged. I know that God and his spirit did a real work in the lives of people, in the hearts of people last week as we thought about that idea of extending genuine, pure, total forgiveness uh, to those uh, that we have in our lives. This week, uh, we're looking at the most intimate earthly relationship uh, that we have, uh, and that is the relationship of marriage. Uh, I had someone uh, earlier uh, this past week found out that I was speaking on marriage, and they said, this can be perfect because the forgiveness thing is directly tied to the whole marriage thing for me. So I need to just work on forgiveness from that person um, and work. It'll be great back to back. Um, just an idea of who I'm talking to. Uh, how many uh, are single here this morning? Single? Yep. Okay. Single and looking. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Look around. Look around. Look around. Make a note. Look around. Keep looking. Keep looking. Yeah, Josh is standing. Look around. Look around. Look around. Just trying to help a brother out. Looking, <laughs> married, married, married folks, yep. married and looking, married and looking. No, I'm sorry. That's not right. That's news to me, honey. That's very good. Just kidding. <laughs> Listen, I don't, I don't need to convince you of uh, the state of, of marital relationships. The conditions of our homes uh, are in a pretty broken place. And um, I don't need to give you all the stats and percentage breakdowns for you to realize we have some challenges in these, area, uh, in these areas, and so I'm convinced uh, that as much as last week was critical, uh, this, this week is critical for us to, it's foundational for who we are uh, and who we need to become. Uh, the world has given up on this idea, this concept of lifelong committed marriage. Um, one of the reasons uh, for that breakdown, I think, is because we've defined marriage on the world's terms. Um, which is a contractual mindset. Um, Godly marriages, godly relationships operate and function on a much deeper commitment, which is covenant. Um, And when you define marriage relationship on the the terms set by the world, that's a slippery slope uh, to trouble. Uh, So this morning, we're going to talk about that idea. Contract versus covenant. Um, If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. If you're not taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. Contract. Contract versus covenant. Contract is this. Listen, this is what contract is. We protect our rights and limit our responsibilities. That's what a contract does. Uh, You protect your rights and you limit your responsibilities. That's that's kind of the American way, isn't it? We love our rights. Um, in fact, you, you might think it's a little un-American for me to suggest that we don't have rights. You might say, whoa, 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 whoa. as an American, I have rights. Yes, um, that may be the American way, but it's not the godly way to have covenant marriage. Uh, more concerned about your rights. A lot of times that's because we've been burned in the past. Uh, we have a wound from a previous relationship, and so we're going to protect ourselves from getting hurt again. We're going to protect our rights uh, and limit our responsibilities. In covenant, you have just the opposite. Covenant is this. We give up our rights, and we pick up responsibilities. We, we give up our rights, and we pick up 
responsibilities. Can I just ask you this morning um, to hear and listen to this with an open heart um, and not through the filter of a previous relationship or wound? Um, and single folks, these these principles that we're going to discuss will work across the board. I promise you that. And I don't want you to hear this message for someone else. Have you ever sat and listened to a message and you're thinking to yourself, ooh, I wish so-and-so was here. They need to hear this so bad. <laughs> Somehow the CD to the message just ends up in their mailbox just magically. Just wanted to bless you with this. Yeah, I want you to hear this for you today. Hear, hear this for you. We have to be willing to redefine what our relationships look like. And a covenant says... I'm willing to enter this relationship and I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to surrender my rights and assume responsibilities. Um, we were certainly quick to respond and readily, to, readily receive that from God when he offered that to us. When it's offered to us, we'll take it. Jesus comes to earth, surrendered his rights, and assumes the responsibility of our sin. And we take that freely. Uh, if you want covenant relationship you're going to have to extend uh, that type of giving up your, respons- your, your rights and assuming responsibilities. Okay, so let's go back to the very beginning, the very first marriage. Let me just point out, um, before church, before school, before government and parliaments, God established the home. The very first human institution marriage. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's rib and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woe man, woman. For she was taken out of man, and that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. God forms Adam out of dust, but he doesn't create that, uh, Eve that way. He cuts Adam, he removes a part of him, and he creates a covenant between the two of them. Three rights this morning, three rights that we have to give up in order to have a covenant relationship. Number one, priority. Priority. I'm going to spend most of the morning on this point. Uh, three rights. The first one there is priority. I am no longer numero uno. I give up the right to be number one. Nor will the things or the people that were previously number one in my life maintain that same position. Aside from my relationship with God, I establish a new priority, and that priority is this. Ashley, baby. You're number one. You come first. I give you the right to be first priority in my life. Making your spouse a priority means that you do this. You protect the place against anything that they would perceive to be in competition with them. Think about that. You protect the place against anything that they would perceive to be in competition with them. If there's anything that you could even think of that I, that I start to place ahead of you, then you let me know because, you, honey, you're number one. Genesis 2.24, what's it say? I will leave father and mother, best friend, wingman, girlfriend, hobby. I will leave that and I will be united to you. You're number 
one, for covenant marriage to work, you have to make it a matter of priority. I think quite often we give our best to our jobs, to our careers, to our hobbies, to other people, some of whom we don't even like. We give them our best, and then we get home and we say, hey, baby, how was your day? I'm really tired. I had a rough day. Just give me some space. And we put them in second place. Uh, Now, we would never do that if our boss or our employer come and asked us to do something. Hey, could you do something for me? And you are on it. But now the person that you've committed your life to wants to have a conversation with you and you're too tired. We put them in second place. Um, Can I just say this for for those that that have children or couples that have children? um, A lot of times you start having children and uh, you start having child-centered homes. Um. I was watching a psychologist talk about this just a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about child-centric homes. He was even talking about grandchild-centric homes, meaning that you put the parent-child relationship or the grandparent-child relationship ahead of your own marriage. Um, More often than not, I I see this with uh, first-time mothers than I do with fathers. I've seen it in fathers, but more often than not, I see this with first-time mothers. Mothers, and the child becomes the center of your attention, your affection, and your concern to the detriment of the marriage. And you fall in love with being a mother, and you fall out of love with being a wife. And your identity is wrapped up in the child. Um, These are the people that the child is six or seven years old, and they've never spent a night away from their child. You've never gone on vacation without the child. Never spent time with your spouse without the child. Um, uh, Mnuchin, a family therapist, coined the phrase enmeshment. Um, Enmeshment is this. When your happiness is found in the child and the child feels the expectation to provide the happiness to you. Think about that. Um, The challenge in the world we live in today, we have blended families. We have children coming into blended families. Marriages, having to assume the right, we think, right? It's a responsibility. And um, you have to first and foremost put your spouse first. Put it first. Meanwhile, the child is getting all of this care and love and concern, and the husband is left fending for himself, wondering if they'll ever do what they did to actually have that child. Will that ever happen again? One and done. Um, (laughs) um, You you would never go have an affair, but you'll let a four or five-year-old sleep in your bed. Think about it. Protect the sanctity of your marriage bed. Uh, Ashley and I, even in moments when our kids were sick, even when they needed, we never let them sleep in our bed. I'm happy to make you a bed here on the floor. That's a good spot for you, right down in there. It's good. Protect the sanctity of the marriage bed. Um, Get get your toddler out of your bed. I'll just say that, all right? Parents, let, let me remind you this. One of your primary roles as a parent 
is to prepare your children for the world. You are preparing them to leave. Not to be dependent upon you. Not to not know how to function without you. You're preparing them to go. Uh, and how many know you, our world can be a pretty cruel place? The world is not always fair. If the first time they hear the word no or face resistance or don't get what they want and they leave your home, you're sending your child out ill-prepared to encounter the world. I would even say that you're failing your child. Um, regarding discipline, you said, I thought this was about marriage. It is. It's just a, one more soapbox and then I'll get off of it. Regarding discipline, um, you are not called to be your child's friend. Um, you're called to be their parent. You say, well, what if they don't like me? They're not always going to like you. If you're doing your job, they're not always going to like you. But I promise you, if you will create healthy parameters and discipline them from a place of love, they will get over it. Be your kid's best parent, not your kid's best friend. All right? Uh, Because when the kids leave and they go out into the world, you know who's left? Right here, baby. You too. That's what's left. God forbid you have to reintroduce yourself to your spouse and get to know them all over again. Keep the marriage as the priority. I tell our kids all the time, in case you forgot, mom comes first. Mom's first. She was here before you and she's going to be here after you. I promise. The marriage is the highest relationship in the home. The marriage. And if you will put the marriage ahead of the kids, it will actually communicate something to the kids and it will actually create a security within the child. The other thing that creates security is when your kids see you being affectionate with one another, see you loving one another. Let them see you being in love. Now, I'm not talking about being gross. Lock your doors. Do that stuff. We have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Lock your doors. But always cultivate the thrill of romantic love and the attraction that drew you together in the first place. This past weekend, uh, Friday night, I, I was talking to Sterling, picked her up from school, dropping her off at the house. I said, honey, I'm going out with mom and it's Valentine's Day. Why are you going out with mom? I said, well, it's, it's Valentine's Day and mom is my Valentine. I'm going out with mom. She said, well, what about me? I said, what about you? You wouldn't be here if mom weren't my Valentine promise you that. Listen, let them see you give her flowers. Let them see you give her gifts. Let them see you putting her first. Ladies, I'm trying to help you out. Can I hear an amen on this? Let them see you put you first. You're first. The marriage is the highest relationship in the home. All right. Think about that. Priority. Priority is the key. Look for ways. Look for ways to reiterate, to communicate that she's number one, that he's number one. Okay. And as you make your spouse a priority, as you do that, you'll find yourself thinking of yourself less. Your wants, your desires. And you'll find yourself becoming more understanding and patient. We looked at this uh, last week, Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, which means being patient with one another's weaknesses. Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have any grievance. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all of these virtues put on 
love, which binds them together in perfect unity. More than any other relationship, the marriage relationship will test the idea of bearing with one another, being patient with one another's weaknesses. There's no one else in this world that knows and recognizes my weakness more than Ashley. She knows me, the good, the bad, the ugly. And because we know each other in ways that no one else knows us, that can also bring with it some innate challenges. Last week, we talked a little bit about having realistic expectations. And I really do believe that so many of our frustrations relationally, not just marital relationships, but our relationships in life, so many of our frustrations come from unmet expectations and some degree unrealistic expectations of people. In marriage, as well as any other relationship, we can never expect to find perfection. Now, we can expect to find human frailty and brokenness. Um, This may just be a good place to pause for the single folks here on that idea of expectation. Some of you may, I'm not saying that you do need to, but some of you may need to lower your expectations. Now, I'm not saying that you lower your standards of moral and ethical uprightness, integrity, right standing with God, character. I'm talking more about your checklist. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Your checklist. Well, if they don't got these things, they're out. Uh, Some of your expectations, if you were honest, may not be realistic. There was only one Jesus, ladies. Okay? He didn't clone himself. And you're not his soulmate. And although us married folks understood that we weren't marrying sinless, flawless creatures, we still had to adjust to the weaknesses, shortcomings in our spouse, and our mate. How many would say that you had to make some adjustments when you got married? You had to make some, yeah, to make some adjustments. How many would say you're still making some adjustments? To, still making some adjustments. Mom and dad have been married how many years now? 45 years, still making adjustments. Help us, God. There's no hope for any of us. Here's what I believe. I'm truly convinced of this. God will use the weak areas of our mate, as well as the strong areas, to do a work in our lives. I believe that. God desires to use your marriage as a refining process to develop and bring both of you to your full potential in Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? That means you're going to have to bear with one another Be patient with one another's weaknesses. You're thinking, well, I thought those were only there to annoy me. Um, Next time you recognize a weakness, just ask yourself, what could I learn from this? How could I grow from this? What, What may God be trying to teach me through this? Now, on the flip side, you can't just say, well, that's who I am. You're just gonna have to deal with the fact that I'm a jerk. That's not what I'm talking about. Once you understand, listen, once you understand what irritates your mate, stop doing it. That's the best counsel I can give you today. That'll be $100, please. Once you find out what irritates your mate, stop doing it. (laughs) Set some goals to, to change those things. You know what I found, guys? Listen to me, guys. It's the little things. It's the little things. Guys, it's the little things. It's the little things. It's when you're walking by the sink and you see a few dishes in there, just taking the 30 seconds to rinse them off and put them in the dishwasher. It's the little things. It's when you smell the poopy diaper, not hoping that they get over to her so it wafts up to her nostrils before you change it. 
change the diaper. It's the little things. I promise you, it's the little things. The most sexy, attractive thing you could do this week could quite possibly involve a vacuum and wiping a rear. I promise you. I'm just, I'm trying to help you all out. It's the little things. It's the little things. Galatians chapter six. I've done that. Oh, it smells like poopy diaper. Mommy's over there. Go over there. Go, 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 go. Mommy's over there. Oh, great. He's got a dirty diaper. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll see you later. I'm good. Sorry. Galatians chapter six, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, stop right there. If, if anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, a lot of wives just went, ooh, I know someone like that. Thinks they're something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Quite often, these, these verses have been used in the context of Christian relationships. Well, should your marriage not reflect a Christian Christ-like relationship. Um, us guys can think pretty highly of ourselves. Uh, we walk by the mirror slowly. Mm, it's nice. Women are walking by like they don't want this. Hurry, quick, pick up the pace. Go, go, go. We kind of stroll. We like mirrors. Now, ladies, ladies. Don't ever assume that he will innately recognize where and when to help. Uh, We can be pretty self-consumed. Sometimes it just requires asking nicely. Sometimes our receivers are turned down so low that we can't hear the signal that you're trying to transmit to us. Um, And you're thinking, certainly he sees that my hair is on fire. Certainly he can recognize this is... There's a strong possibility that he does not have a clue. (laughs) Open, open and clear communication is absolutely essential for us to bear with one another in love. Um, If you've uh, heard any of Mark Gunger's teaching on the tale of two brains, he describes it this way. Uh, Men have brains that have boxes or drawers that's very compartmentalized, very singular. And we discuss one topic and we open that drawer, that topic. We're done with that topic and we close that drawer and we open up a new drawer. Uh, The things that are in each drawer are in those drawers for a reason. They're in those boxes. They're separated for a reason. Uh, We actually... We actually have a nothing box. Nothing, nothing goes in it. So when we're sitting on the couch, mindlessly, and you say, hey, what are you thinking about? When we say we're not thinking about anything, nothing, we literally mean we are thinking about nothing. Nothing. That's impossible. It is very possible. I promise you, it's possible. And here you come with all of your stuff ready to dump it in my nothing box. Back up. Because a woman's brain is like a 
big ball of wire interwoven and everything is connected to everything and it never stops. And I can be taking out the trash and all of a sudden I'm having a conversation on my mother-in-law. How did I get there? Uh, Everything is connected. And we're in our nothing box and here you come with your stuff. Uh, Just take one of those things, allow me to shut that box, open that one up and let's talk about that one thing. How we communicate and how we take in information will allow us to communicate effectively. It will set you free, I promise you. You have to figure out, how do we communicate effectively? Ephesians chapter 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with any form of malice. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ God forgave you. Question for you. How do you talk to one another? How do you talk to one another? With respect and honor and reverence? Do you revere her? Do you build them up? Does it, as the verse says, does it benefit them when they're listening to you? Is there a benefit when you're talking? Or or are you demeaning? When, When was the last time, guys, you told your wife how amazing she is? Beyond that, when was the last time you told her how amazing she is when no one was around? No one was around. Remember what we said with, in the Anonymous series? When, when what happens in public never happens in private, it loses its weight and validity. When was the last time? Marriage is a, is a laboratory of sorts where we're able to put into practice on a totally different level, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Uh, early on in our marriage, I had a dear pastor friend tell me this. Marriage is all about trying to outserve one another. So you want to think about helping rather than being helped, serving rather than being served, understanding rather than being understood. This type of love makes burdens lighter. It, it, it may, you divide them. It makes joys more intense because you share them. It makes you stronger because you can reach out and become involved in life in ways that you couldn't imagine doing by yourself. Make your spouse a priority. Really quickly, the last two. I, want, I knew I was going to spend most of our time there. Make it a priority. That's a big, that's a big deal. Because if you can't do that, you won't do any of the other stuff. Give up the right to being the priority. Number two, you give up the right to ownership. You give up the right to ownership. And I now give you the right to co-own and co-administrate everything in my life. Now, sometimes wives want to administrate more than co-administrate. If you're married to a detail-oriented person or someone that has a wonderful plan for your life and whoever's willing to listen, uh, there's a balance there. It's co-owning. It's co-administrating. But sometimes we have guys that put off this attitude of, it's my stuff, I'm going to work hard, I'm the breadwinner here, and I'm going to bless you, I'll provide you with a car and with 
furniture and whatever, but I'm going to bless you because you're my... No, 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 no. It's ours. It's not yours and mine. It's ours. That is the spirit of contract, and that will ruin your marriage. It's ours. That's how, that's how godly covenant works. Um, when I work for my home and supply for my home, I, I give it away. They get the ownership of it. It's not just mine that I'm blessing with. No, ownership means everything. My time, my money, my possessions. Everything from mine and yours goes to ours. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. And all the men said, Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. (laughs) In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him, but also to his wife. And all the men said, Hallelujah. Amen. We love this verse, guys. We like both parts of it. Your body belongs to me and my body. Good. I like this. Stay there. Stick right there. You can have it, baby. Now, the secret in this principle, though, is not in what you demand, but it's what you give away. Not in what you demand. You never use this first to demand and say, that belongs to me. No, 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 no. You give up the right to ownership. Everything, I, I don't make that demand. I give it to you. Um, that gets a little squirrely sometimes when we start talking about finances. Um, talk about how to administrate the home. I, I, I was uh, in a conversation not too long ago, and the lady said something to this effect. Now, he, he, he works, and his paycheck goes to the house, to everything that's going on in the house. So that's ours. And then I have a little job, and that goes to all of what, anything I want to do. I, whoa, 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 wait a second. That's my, that's my fun money. That's my play money. Okay. So let me get this straight. His paycheck is yours, and then your paycheck is yours. In covenant relationship, there is no mine and yours. It's ours. Well, have we been doing it that way? How's that working? Working good? It's working good. I'm just not the biggest fan of a two-checking account, two-checkbook system. Um, and I know a lot of couples do it that way. If you've been administrating your home that way for years and it's working, knock yourself out. But you have to be careful what you're communicating. Are you communicating mine and yours Or are you communicating ours? Co-owning everything, I'm telling you, takes it to another level. Selfish people cannot be in a covenant relationship. Selfish people cannot be in a covenant relationship. Have you given up the right to ownership? Or is it still mine and yours? Okay, last, last thing, real quickly. We give up the right to priority. We give up the right to ownership. And we give up the right to privacy. To privacy. I'm going to give up the right to private. In other words, I am going to give you free and unhindered access to every part of my life. Every part. There's no secret side to me. There's nothing that I hide from you. Cell phone, text, the search history on your computer, the Facebook account, the bank statements, the spending, whatever it is, you have access to all of it. You give up the right to privacy. Oh, it got quiet. Genesis 2, the man and the wife were naked. This not only speaks to them not having clothes on, but also speaks to the fact that they were both completely exposed. Nothing hidden, totally transparent, totally accountable. 
I've had wives at times say, well, I could, I could never share that. I could never tell him that. Don't let him know that I'm telling you this. He would blow up. Can I just tell you, that's not covenant. That's not covenant. That's a contract. Um, because in a covenant relationship, I'm free to share anything and everything with you without the fear of retribution, being ignored, being shut out, or mistreated. Covenant marriage says that my life is an open book to you. I don't cover up areas. No, we openly share with confidence that allows you to become more secure in our relationship. Covenant allows for you to share from a real place. In fact, if you're in a relationship where you're not sharing and things aren't being shared with you, you don't have as much of a relationship as you thought you did. Because what you can't talk about owns you. Whatever, whatever it is, whatever subject is off, you know, that's off the table. What you can't talk about, that owns you and it owns your marriage. As covenant partners, we preserve the privacy of our, of our home. The married state, our hearts. We leave our mother and father, sister, brother, friend, and we freely share our feelings with one another. Let me just save you some grief for any newlyweds here. I just want to save you some grief real quickly and then we'll close. When you have a disagreement, because it's going to happen, don't call your mom and dad. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you out right here. When you have a disagreement, because it'll happen, fight the temptation and resist the urge to call mom and dad or any family member for that matter. You know why? You'll get over it and move on, but your family won't. They can't forget. You will influence the way that they view your spouse sometimes for the rest of their life. And it's hard for them to relationally recover from that. Don't call mama. Three rights. Okay, that was, that was, that was extra. Three rights. Three rights that you're going to give up in a covenant relationship. You're, you're going to give up the right to being number one. You're going to give up the right to mine. You're going to give up the right to privacy. Um, I just want to point this out. These principles are not only what makes a marriage work, but they're also what, what makes a relationship with Christ work. We, we make him number one. He's priority. Nothing ahead of him. There is no list. He's not on any list. He is it. And we're fooling ourselves if we think we can have God in our life, but he's not number one. He's not a Sunday God. If that's the way it works, you have religion, but you don't have a relationship with him. Jesus said many on that day, the day of judgment, will say, I called you Lord. But he will say, we, we didn't have a relationship. I don't know you. He's priority. He's number one. You have to make Jesus the place of priority. And we give him everything. He owns it all. We give up ownership. It's all his. And then there's nothing hidden from him. No, no privacy, no hidden sin, total and complete access. He has it all. Give up the right, give up rights and pick up responsibility. Next week, we'll be looking at the responsibilities that we pick up. Let go of rights and we're going to pick up 
some responsibility. Thanks again for joining us. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at 10.30 a.m. right next to Wilson Central High School or check us out online at connectchurchtn.com. Thanks so much and have a blessed day.